You're listening to the College Age Movement Podcast. What's going on, guys? Hope you're doing well. We are in part four of our series entitled The Church, Lessons from the Book of Acts. A couple weeks ago, we talked about the interaction between Peter, John, and the religious elite of the time. And if you want that full sermon, head up, head back to the previous episode of the podcast. One of the things that we talked about was the fact that nothing should stop us from talking about Jesus, what he has done in us, what he has done through us. This posture that, that Peter and John have as they're talking to the religious elite, that they say, as for us, we cannot help talking about what we have seen and what we have heard. And that posture is, is incredibly contagious moving forward in, in the movement of Jesus. And what we see through Acts is this decision to, to appoint seven more men as disciples. And then from there, we just see the, the, the message, the gospel explode. And we'll, we're not going to talk about the disciple Stephen, but that is an incredible story of him standing up and talking to the same religious elite. He actually loses his life, becomes a martyr for the gospel. And he's one of the men that are chosen. And there's this other guy named Philip who's filled with the Holy Spirit, who's sent by the disciples to go and spread the good news. And we're going to talk about this uh, really incredible interaction that he has with an unexpected friend. And we're going to pull some lessons from that this week. So we're going to be in Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 28 to start. And it says this, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the, the desert road that goes down from Jer- Jerusalem to Gaza. That's, that's the information that he gets. So he starts out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone down to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The first point this week is committed to clarity. The posture of Philip is something that, that I want us to focus on. When when called to go south, Philip doesn't have a ton of details. He doesn't know why he's being sent that way, but he goes anyway. And I love his commitment to his calling. You see, I, I think I have to ask myself the question, and, and maybe you can too, is would I? Would I go without the details? Would I move when God asks me to move? I really like some clarity personally. <laughs> when I'm being called to something, I think that it's good It's good to have clarity. And, and, and I think it's healthy when it comes to like talking about people. Like, hey, how about you give me some details before I commit to anything? But when it comes to God, my hope is that I would be, that we would be people who move without details. I think there's a reason that Philip is so quick to obey, and it's the fact that he actually is committed to his calling. He's not committed to clarity. He's committed to the calling that Jesus has placed on his life, and that takes precedence over everything else. You see, when Philip and the other disciples said yes to Jesus, there wasn't like a caveat that says like, yeah, we'll we'll say yes when you make yourself perfectly clear, Lord. Like Jesus, when you make yourself, per- he, he did make himself clear. He said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Like that's all the clarity that they needed. So, so when I call you to something, you can make the assumption that I'm calling you to it because it's going to lend to that original calling that I placed on your life. So for us being called to that same thing, can we be people who are committed to our calling, not committed to needing clarity? See, I think we have to ask ourselves a question. Like, are we only willing to move when things are perfectly clear? 
my hope for my own life and, and, and for our community, for the church in general, is that we wouldn't get so caught up in needing all the details that we fail to move at all. Because sometimes when we get in the, this realm of needing all the details and we need 100% clarity before we take any action at all, that that creates stagnancy in our lives and we are, are like concreted to the ground and, and we don't get to move at all because we're just waiting for that clarity, waiting for that clarity and then the opportunity passes by. When God says go, let's go. Let's not be people who require Jesus to explain himself all the way. Like he's done enough. He's earned our trust. Let's let's go when Jesus says to go. And I just wonder how many opportunities we've missed or we're going to miss because the picture was only 50% clear. Like when Jesus says go, let's go. Let's not need 100% clarity. Let's be committed to our calling not to needing clarity. The story goes on, uh, verses 29 through 31. It says, the spirit told Philip, go to the chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. I love the humility of the Ethiopian in this moment. He's he's willing to admit that he doesn't fully understand what he's reading, and he acknowledges acknowledges that he needs help to understand it. We we talk about community all the time at College Age, and I think too often we think of community as like a gathering, like our, our in person gatherings on Tuesday night. Like that's that's our community of people, and that that's what it means to be in community. And while that's a huge part of it, like absolutely, like gather, be together, worship together, learn together, all those things, one hundred percent. Community at its core is understanding that we're better together, and that's not just one night a week. That's that's in everything, and and not just in physically gathering, but being of sound mind, of of understanding that that we all have something to bring to the table. The next point this week is the power of our invitation. You see, we live in a culture that champions individuality, and I, I think that's awesome on some levels. I, I think we need to highlight people. I think we need to highlight people's unique gifts, so that we need to highlight people's unique abilities. And we say, wow, like you are amazing. Look how God has gifted you. Like It's so incredible. But I think it's kind of lent to this, this habit of us ignoring the importance of the body of Christ that we we highlight individuals but then we don't see how that individual works into the body of Christ and how things will be even more successful because their gifts and their talents and their abilities are unique to them and and they can make up where some of us lack and and our gifts and our talents and our abilities are are good to to fill in gaps where they might lack like that's what the the body of Christ is all about. And I think it, it's really important that we invite others to speak into our lives and that they would teach us and that they, they would they would help us grow in areas that we need to grow and even challenge us in places where we feel like, no, like I am gifted in this area, but like you're never going to be the best at anything. There's always somebody who can teach you. There's always going to be somebody who, who can help you get better. There's always going to be somebody who can challenge you and convict you and encourage you and all those things. Like we need to invite others to speak into our lives. Like we have questions that we don't have the answers to. And other people have questions that that we might have the answers to. So like, let's invite others to speak into our life. And then I think we need to also invite others to step in and tangibly help us. Like, it's not just about about mentorship. It's about actually like stepping into situations and saying like, I can't handle this on my own. I physically cannot do this. I need you to come and help me. And that could be something as small as like, hey, I'm moving from this apartment to this apartment. Like, can you come help me move? But it could be a time of tragedy where you need somebody to sit with you. You need somebody to be with you. You need somebody to physically be present. We need to invite invite other people into our lives. We're not created to do this alone. Another way that we can use the power of invitation is to invite people into places, into relationships, and into avenues where we have grown ourselves. Like, 
so, so as we're inviting other people to speak into our lives, that we would also recognize the places where we grow the best. And, and there, there's, there should be this natural connection for us. Like, as I invite this guy into my life to speak into my life, to be present in my life, to teach me, to, to, to help me grow. If, if he can help me grow, that means that he could probably help somebody else grow. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to grab my other guy over here who, who needs help, who needs more than me and what I have to offer. And I'm going to say, Hey, let me introduce you to the, to my friend. He's helped me. He's encouraged me. He's challenged me. And I think that he can do the same for you. Or it could be a place. It could be a ministry. Like it, it could be college age movement. It could be faith chapel. It could be any church, any, any ministry, any place where you're like, man, this is a place where I like grow and I'm challenged and, and all these things happen. And I think that it would be really beneficial for you to do that too. So we need to understand the power of our invitations. True, healthy community will always live under the premise that, that our growth is not our own. Like we don't grow just to feel good about ourselves. We grow to help other people grow. And we need to lean into that idea. And the next point is to, to accept invitations. So we need to extend invitations. We need to understand the power of our invitations. And we also need to accept invitations. Philip, as we'll see moving forward in this story, takes the invitation and ministers to this man and he doesn't miss a beat. And what I think that you and I often struggle with is accepting the fact that we've actually been invited in the first place. Yes, we've been invited by other people to speak into their lives, but also like we hesitate with the idea that God himself has invited us into his family and not, not just invited us into his family, but that he's also invited us to participate in, in the ministry that he's doing, to participate in changing the world. And we look at ourselves and we disqualify ourselves, but Jesus has extended an invitation to us that says, Hey, like if you surrender your life to me, like I'm going to utilize you, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to use you right where you're at. And I'm going to, I'm going to change people's lives because of what you bring to the table. We shy away from the invitations to speak into other people's lives or help in their situations because we don't see ourselves as being worthy. And I think that we need to kill that, that you have so much to offer. Don't, don't let your own self doubt outweigh the confidence that Jesus has in you. Don't disqualify yourself and understand that Jesus has confidence in you. So you should have confidence in yourself to speak into other people's lives and, and bring something to the table. It could be a shared experience. It could be a unique experience. It could be something that you've learned, that you've studied, like whatever. You have something to bring to the table always. And I just want to encourage you today, like understand that that when people invite you to speak, it's, it's not out of sympathy or, or, or something that they feel like that they have to do. Like they're inviting you to speak into their life because they trust you. So don't deny them that. Like don't deny them the benefit of learning from you and don't miss the opportunity to benefit from others. Understand the power of invitation. The story goes on verses 32 through 38. It says, this is the passage of scripture that the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. The next point is acceptance before adjustment. Acceptance before adjustment. I love this passage because it highlights such a radically simple point. And that point is this, like right, right where you're at, right where you're at. That is where God accepts us, right where we're at. That's where God loves us. That's where God uses us, right where we're at. When this man decides to surrender his life to Jesus, Philip doesn't say, hold on, I have to, I have to see some life change before I'm willing to baptize you. 
Like so many of us struggle with the concept in our own lives. And as we're looking at others too, like their lives in our own lives, it plays out like this. Like I cannot imagine that God would love me until I get my act together. I cannot imagine that God would love me until I fulfill some, some hypothetical Christian Christian to-do list. And then I think Jesus loves me. And then I think Jesus accepts me. And then I think Jesus would be willing to use me. Like that's how it plays out in our own life. But, but Romans 5 says like, while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. While we are still sinners, Christ died for us. Like that's, that's something at a foundational level that we need to understand that he didn't wait for us to have this incredible behavior modification before he was willing to die for us. No, he died for us while we were still sinners. We have to get out of our own way. There, there isn't some magical thing that we have to, to do or box that needs to be checked before we're loved and accepted and useful. And my prayer is that that understanding would, would take root in our lives on, on a personal level and we would live in freedom every single day. But that would also translate into how we look at other people. Because I think that there's this, this really... Um, really big tendency or, or or maybe temptation for us to look at the lives of other people like holding a clipboard and we're we're just looking for a reason to to judge their lives and that is not what God has called us to God has called us to love not to judge I don't know about you I don't if you remember your your driving test when you were getting your driver's license, but I will never forget mine. I was in eighth grade because back in my day <laughs> I could drive when I was 14 and I'd been driving since I was like 11. Cause I have family out here in Montana that have ranches. And, and so I was driving vehicles at a pretty early age, definitely supervised mom and dad. If you're listening to this podcast, I was so, I was very supervised. Uh, but I knew, I knew how to drive. And my first car was a 1980 Mercury grand Marquis. It was a boat. Like you could fit like 16 people in it. And, uh, I, we take this, I take, I go to take this driver's test and this, this woman named Joan, I will never forget Joan. Um, she sits down next to me and she has a clipboard in her hand and, and we're driving and I'm confident. Like, I'm just like, here you go, go past this thing so I can officially have my driver's license. And, and she's writing on her clipboard and like, she's just making me so nervous. I'm like, what are you writing about? Like, I'm crushing this thing. I know I'm doing great. Uh, and we get, we get to the end and she's like, yeah, I have to fail you. And I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, like you like did everything right, except you, you came to a little bit of a rolling stop at one of the stop signs. So I have to fail you. I was like, that is the most ridiculous. I was so mad. My parents were mad. Like the logistics of like, I couldn't drive yet. So they had to drive me back down the next week. And I was just so frustrated. Her sitting there with her clipboard looking for a reason to fail me. And I, I get in the car the next week and this woman who's much nicer. And for some reason, I don't remember her name, but I remember Joan's name, but she sits down next to me and she's like, Hey, I saw, I saw your driving test from last week. And, uh, Joan, Joan's kind of crazy. And I just knew like, you're going to pass. Like you're, you've don't stress out. You pass. We got to drive around. Like you got to do the things, but like, you're going to be, you're going to pass. And, uh, I, I, there was no pressure there. Like I wasn't, I wasn't afraid of failing anymore. I was just like comfortable. And I remember like we had a conversation while we were driving, like it was fine. Like she actually cared about me. And I, I think that that's the difference between judgmental Christians and Jesus. You see, the judgmental Christian looks for a reason to fail people. They look at their lives and say, I'm just waiting to, to give you the mark of disapproval to say, this is why you fail. This is why you don't add up. This is why you're not allowed to be a part of our exclusive Christian club. But Jesus, Jesus sits down and just says, hey, like you took the first step. Like you surrendered your life. You got behind the wheel of this journey that we're about to go on together. Like you pass, you're usable, you're loved. I love you. Like we're good. Here we go. Let's do this thing. 
Like that's the difference between judgmental Christians and Jesus. And so for us, would we be like Jesus? Would we sit down next to people and would we say, hey, I'm so excited to have you on this journey. I'm so excited to see what God's going to do with your life. Let's go. Let's go. I'm really excited. See, as we talk about community, there's another concept that I think we have to understand. It, it, it takes it a little bit further that we would understand that we belong before we believe. Like maybe you're listening to this today and you're, you're spiritually unresolved. You don't know if Jesus is who you want to follow and that's okay. I'm so glad that you're listening to this podcast. I'm so, so glad that you're curious. And I, I want you to know that like Jesus wants you to know that you belong here. Like you belong before you believe. As followers of Jesus, if, if we have to communicate, let's communicate on a daily basis that people belong before they believe, that, that, that we are not bouncers at the door, but we are people who, who, are, who are the concierge. Like the second somebody walks in the door, we're like, hey, I'm so glad that you're here. How can I serve you? How can I love you? What, what can I do for you to make you feel loved and accepted and appreciated? Because Jesus loves you so much. And so the only thing that I'm doing, I'm not, I'm not checking your Christian ID at the door. What I'm doing is I just want to serve you. I want to love you. I want to make you feel like this is home. I'm going to wrap up this, this week with two quick questions. The first question is this. Is there anything getting in the way of our own personal surrender? I look at this Ethiopian eunuch, and I love love the way that he he sees his faith. He he believes that Jesus is the Son of God, and immediately sees water and says, "What is stopping me? What is stopping me from just being baptized right now?" And I think that's two two questions. Like like what what is is there something? Is there something actually stopping us from from fully surrendering to Jesus? And let's identify it. Let's kill it. Let's get rid of it and say, like, no, like, I know that my surrender to Jesus takes precedence over everything. So what in my life is stopping me from surrendering my life? And then having that, just that posture of, like, why not now? Why not right now? Like, if God is calling me to something, why? Like, do I need clarity? Is that what I'm doing? Am I committed to the clarity or am I committed to the calling? Like, am, am I somebody who's going to be looking for a reason to not step into the promise of God or into the calling of God now? Or, well, like, what's keeping me? Let's go. Let's do this right now in this moment. You see, that is the, the, the posture that we need to have. What is keeping us from surrendering? Second question is, are we getting in the way of someone else's surrender to Jesus? Like, genuinely, is the way that I am living my life a speed bump or a springboard when it comes to others knowing Jesus? Do people look at the way that I'm carrying myself, the, the words that I'm speaking, the actions that I'm taking, do they see it as a speed bump in their surrender, in their journey of surrendering to Jesus? Or is it a springboard? Am I pushing people towards Jesus? They're like, man, that makes me even more excited about following Jesus. And that's not intended to make you feel guilty or me feel guilty, but to challenge each one of us to understand that our lives impact people more, that, that our lives impact more than ourselves that there are people impacted by us. And we need to understand that our influence will always be greater than what we think it is. Our influence always goes wider, always goes deeper than we think it does. Let's be people who wield that influence responsibly, that we would show people the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus on a daily basis, and that we would become a springboard for their faith, not a speed bump. Thank you for listening to the College Age Movement Podcast. College Age Movement's in-person gatherings meet Tuesday nights at 7, and we would love to have you there. If you are unable to join us in person, you can engage online at faithchapel.cc or follow us on our socials at collegeagemvmt.